0: Then, all I heard was Tim screaming. He had fallen. The rope came tight in the piece just above my head. I looked down to see Tim, 10 feet below where he was belaying me, and a huge rock was on top of him. Help, 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 he screamed. All emotion shut off, and the primal instinct kicked in. Welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. From the Climbing Zine, I am Luke Mihal. This is the final episode in the continuous story from the desert. My fifth book. And we're going to be continuing on with this season with some bonus episodes, some interviews, and some looks at some other themes within the book, which will be super fun. When I started writing it. There's a quote from George Sibley, who is my writing mentor in college and continues to be still at this day. Actually, George is turning 80 very shortly, which is uh, crazy that my writing mentor is turning 80. Such a good guy. Lives in Gunnison, Colorado. He's a retired professor from Western Colorado University. And he really was the one. And I really, I think I articulated that within this podcast and within the book of He's that one person I can really turn to and say, this is the person that convinced me that I could be a writer. But his quote in this that I referenced was, what's the point of writing a book if you know how it's going to end? And that certainly held true with this final story here in the book. This story happened kind of as I was wrapping up the book, and it's certainly not, as you'll see, uh, expected or I wouldn't even say it was a, a good incident. It was certainly a, a traumatic incident that could have been bad. But it was a result of kind of overstoking a bit. Um, we all know sometimes in climbing we can be overly enthusiastic. We can too, be too amped up in this incident, which I'll talk about more after I read it. But it's certainly a result of kind of being overly enthusiastic and maybe getting too pumped up. As I always say, the number one way to support this podcast is to get something from us. Pick up a book, pick up a zine, some merch. There's a link in your show notes. You can visit climbingzine.com or you can check the link in our bio at our Instagram page. We are truly the most independent, small printed publication out there. The Climbing Zine is. And now that we've added a podcast, we've kind of expanded our opportunities a bit, but Still just me. I'm the only full-time employee of the zine. That's kind of the way I designed it, the way I like to work. And um, we always need the support. It's the royal we, when I say we. Do have a great team that helps me put together the zine. But day to day, pecking away, uh, it's just me here at the home office. All right, let's get into this episode, episode 12, season two. (laughs) So there we were, chasing that blood, that beauty, that quietness, and that adventure. Tim, Dane, and I had hiked for an hour and a half to arrive at this perch. There was a trail for part of it, but most of it was untrodden, exactly to my taste. The sun was coming quickly. It was mid-September. That time of year, most of the crowds are still at bay. For good reason. The highs can hit the 90s, and that heat can zap any sort of inspiration even if it's been building all summer. It was our first trip out that season, on the shoulder of the fall climbing season, but still feeling like summer does in a lot of parts. The lead was mine. It was a dihedral I'd had my mind on for a while, one of those I just had to be the first to do, and if someone else was, I'd be jealous. I'm still gripped by this obsession. When will it release me? I don't know. I hope not for a long time. The hot sun was coming soon. Our perch was plentiful, but placed atop a 40-foot drop-off. A sublime place to be. Staring at the crack, I only saw one possible obstacle. A section where it looked like there was a detached block. It looked too big to fail. A statement I always 99% believe. we deal with that when we got to it. There was a large chimney where the belayer could be protected should I pull that block down while I was climbing through it. I jammed and fought. Quick bursts of movements and wide hand jams and then slower movements when the crack got bigger, jamming my hips and arms in. Progress was swift. At one point, Dane and Tim switched off the belay so that Dane could take photos. We'd mostly been bad at documenting our first descents, but since Dane was an aspiring photographer, We're going to start taking more pictures. The view, that view, so always the same. The open desert with the six shooter towers pointing up, leading to more and more and more desert. Desert forever. I'd never see most of it up close in this lifetime, but I'd see this view many more times. Up above me was a tower that had detached from the cliff. We were hoping this crack would allow us access to it. Sort of a trick move, and the kind of trick that goes all the way back to the lost arrow spire in Yosemite. The crack was clean, clearly not a funnel for storms like many are. It was the goods, what we're looking for. There's almost always a challenge, though, a roadblock, and ours came in the form of this block. It was clearly detached, probably weighed a few hundred pounds. Would I dislodge it with the 165 pounds of my body? My hands and feet would surely fit in the space between the block and the wall. I've done this before, I tell myself. In the climbing conversation one has with oneself, there must always be the consideration for your belayer, your brethren holding the rope as as an essential part of the team. I called down and asked him to retreat to that chimney. So if the block came down, it wouldn't end his life. He agreed and started moving over. Then all they heard, tim screaming he had fallen the rope came tight on the piece just above my head i looked down to see tim ten feet below where he was belaying me and a huge rock was on top of him help 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 he screamed all emotion shut off and my primal instinct kicked in i was fine i had a cam slightly above me so i didn't even feel the fall on the rope i plugged another cam and then built a small anchor. Tim could be internally bleeding. He could have damage to an organ or a broken bone. We might need to orchestrate a rescue plan right now. Dane hustled carefully over to Tim and heroically lifted the boulder off of him. Tim is a certified first responder, but neither Dane or myself are. Tim was up and moving, a good sign. He said he was okay. No broken bones, no major pain no signs of a traumatic injury his breathing was fine he seemed to be okay he had taken what was essentially a simul climbing fall one that all trad climbers fear and luckily he didn't pull me off the rock the ledge that he was moving out onto to get out of the way broke off which sent him falling while he was belaying me the cam slightly above me took the weight of the fall when he fell, his hands came off the brake, but the gree caught me. A tragedy narrowly averted. We checked with Tim again. He was indeed fine. Nothing more than scrapes and cuts. This climb would be our last for the day, for sure. We would slowly get out of there and back to camp. But the climb wasn't yet done. I still had to get it to a proper spot to drill an anchor. And so, with Tim back together... I kept climbing. An hour or so later, once I had an anchor, I rappelled down to that block that I eventually climbed through and over. And with the crowbar, I pried it off, sending it down, crashing a hundred feet past that ledge that Tim had almost fallen over. I brushed the dirt off where the rock had been and rappelled back to the ground. And then we packed up and began a slow hike down. This episode is sponsored by Osprey. A longtime sponsor of The Climbing Zine, Osprey and the Zine share the same backyard. Located just down the road from Durango and Cortez, Osprey makes innovative high-performance gear that reflects a love of adventure and devotion to the outdoors. High-quality packs for any adventure and season. We are proud to share a home with Osprey in the Four Corners region of Southwest Colorado. And to find out more, visit this episode is also sponsored by Black Diamond, another longtime sponsor of the Climbing Zine. Black Diamond is all about climbing, skiing in the mountains, and of course, the desert. Black Diamond not only has the hard goods you need for climbing, but also the apparel to go along with it. The forged denim jeans are perfect for desert climbing and exploring, and the Alpenglow hoodie layers are ideal for protecting you from the sun. To find out more, visit BlackDiamondEquipment.com. When I think of the desert writing about it, I think of the moments of leaving, which often can be a summit of sorts, emotions welling up and releasing. Usually it happens in the truck alone. A favorite song will be playing on the iPod, some Dylan or the Dead, maybe some Tribe. There's a sweetness in that synthesis, and in leaving, I remember why I came. It doesn't happen every time. It's like fishing, a meditation and a sport of chances. But I know when the reset has occurred. I am momentarily free from society, from the knowledge that I am part of this force that is only second to the force that is nature. The truck rolls on, the magic of rubber on dirt roads. A slow exit, time to reflect, time to shed one tear or many. The leaving. A climber cannot usually stay where we climb. We must move on. One cannot hold on to the sweetest of climbs, the deepest of anger. Leaving can be empty, but when I know I am leaving with something to go back to, the emotion is full of richness, and knowing this land, The desert will be here for me when it's the comfort that I need. To go on any further without wild land seems impossible, like going on without love. I have both, and in the end, what else can a person ask for? Some tears, yeah, some tears. Breaking through when they realize no one else is around to see them. Why they need to come out like this, I don't know. It's just how it is. Maybe it's because I'm an American man. I'm just glad they decided to arrive. They fall, and with their falling in that moment, anger is stalled, and appreciation for the moment and the fortunes of fate float to the top. Usually, I leave this desert in a moment of too much wind, too much heat, or too much desert. Those moments are part of it. Too much love, too much beauty, but exactly what I want and need and not any more or any less. That's when the desert is my home. If only for the moment, of course, when I'm leaving. Leaving always leads to coming back. I've contemplated the idea of moving closer to this desert, but I've realized my home in Durango on the edge of the mountains and the desert is just as important as my trips to the desert. The small things in life, like a hot shower and a comfortable bed, seem so luxurious after roughing it in the desert. The more dirt that washes off my body after a trip to the desert, the better it probably was. With each return, I know the place can change. Areas that were once virgin, where we completed first ascents that are now published in guidebooks can seem completely different. It often depends on the company. Some climbers these days seem to be driven by a force I cannot understand. When climbing is simply all about just climbing and a climber only cares about what they climb and their ego, something is lost. There's an art to our sport. But I guess it takes some time to cultivate that third eye for that art. Here I go, kids these days. I'm turning 40 just as I turn this book in for publication. It's not the age, though. Actually, some younger climbers are on the same wavelength that I am. But my wavelength has been all over the place all over the years. I've stood high and proud on a mountaintop, but I've also been drunk in camp, loudmouthed, egotistical, and incoherent. In all honesty, I'm trying to just get back to a place, a place I felt so long ago. Trying to get back to that quietness, trying to remember exactly why climbing became so important to me. Nearly every profound memory in climbing was shared with one or two people. It was away from the roar of the crowds. The noises were those of the river, the birds, the wind, and the trees. There was an unequivocal feeling of meditation and oneness. A feeling like everything was going to be all right. A knowingness that nature would provide the highest of highs. We could put the drugs away. For some reason, I try to find this in the desert. The desert is big, and there's always a place to find silence. And the more you waste wandering in the desert, the more you know. Worlds open up. Things can be seen. Is it the spirits? Is it the American spirit to keep reinventing, to keep rediscovering? Is it that human nature to keep going after that thing that made you feel the best ever, to have the best days ever? For now, it's hope. It's hope that the president isn't giving me. Society rarely delivers it. And I've got no set of beliefs that ensures everything is going to work out in the end. So I'm either punch drunk or a hopeless romantic coming back for more. But I believe in believing in something. I believe in following hopes and dreams, and I believe in love. I know from those searches, those whims, that sometimes, at the right time, they lead to the most beautiful things. All right, that was episode 12 of season two, the final story in the desert. That was the last book that I've written and been stumbling to try to write another one. Anyone who's tried to write a book knows that it's not easy and I've written two full-length books and five books total. The other three books are short stories and poetry. It certainly didn't get any easier after writing two books. I've been working on my follow-up as I said and just kind of been stumbling and, and trying not to get frustrated and realizing at some point uh, the structure will come together and I'll be off and running again. On that final story, my friend, Tim, who was you know belaying me on a first ascent, and I asked him to get out of the way because I thought this rock that I was about to climb onto um, could have come down crashing onto him. And so when he was stepping over, he actually had a rock come undone from the wall, which made him fall about 10 feet and it kind of flipped him upside down and the rock landed on him. And as I said, I was had, had just placed a piece and I had enough rope out that the piece actually took the fall. It was kind of like that simul climbing fall if anyone's ever simo climbed that you never want to take. You never want to fall simul climbing. But because of the physics of the piece being above me and having enough rope out, I didn't even really feel Tim's fall that much. I had about 70 feet of rope out and um, Tim luckily was uninjured and luckily the Grigri caught him uh, because he could have fallen farther um, than he actually did. So having a device like the Grigri or some other device that locks off, there's a lot of ATCs these days that have the auto lock off. Highly recommend those. And we did a whole book tour for this event and you can find the video on youtube tim actually tells the story it's on our IGTV, and it's also on our youtube where tim tells the story from his perspective it was very terrifying for tim um, to have that happen and me being up on the wall i as i wrote i just kind of went into like all right all emotion shuts off and primal instinct kicks in of what we're gonna have to do but luckily tim just had some scrapes and bruises and um, ended up being okay which is great We are going to be continuing on with this season with some bonus episodes and uh, look for those here shortly. We're going to do some interviews and some other creative endeavors. Music for this entire season came from Devin Dabney. Devin is a senior contributor to the zine. He's a rapper. He's a musician. He's a great writer. He's a root setter and um, super grateful to have all his music in this uh, season Chad Rich is our digital editor and producer Chad recently scored a gig at my alma mater Western Colorado University he's gonna be doing a lot of the video um, for them so if you see some videos coming out of Western that is Chad and he's the co-creator of this podcast and he's a just a great great dude um works works on some documentary film projects as well and um Yeah, look for Chad's name out there in the world. And if you want to team up with him and work on a project, uh, hit me up and I can get you his contact information. Signing off from beautiful Durango, Colorado. I'm Luke Mihal. Peace.